spoken maybe. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass for more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Andy Ann's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional materials. Spoken You wake up one morning after not reading a book since your school days and you decide to be a writer. With no good or bad writing to compare against your own, you just know how to write and anyone who tells you otherwise is wrong. Hell, maybe they're jealous of your natural ability to craft the masterpiece. After all, most people need to learn through a combination of books, courses, critical feedback and workshops. Not you though. It's not their fault they don't realise your natural talent, but they soon will. How to Write Wrong is the new book by Amanda Steele. The book, which is an interactive story, gives the reader multiple options throughout its story. The book can be purchased from Amazon. Spoken Thank you today for tuning in to Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and as of recording has over 200 sessions in our archive. Although the podcast can be heard on Anchor, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, YouTube and literally 10 or 11 other networks, the full archive can be found at Spoken Label all one word, spoken label dot bandcamp dot com. On the bandcamp, it is set as pay what you want, so you are entitled if you wish, you can download it or stream it for nothing. But if you throw me a couple of pennies my way, it is always eternally grateful to help me maintain the operating costs and future running costs for the podcast. Enjoy. Spoken label. Hi guys, Andy N, Spoken Label, back in the house on Zoom again today, and we're across the seas again now. <laughs> now, the gentleman I brought in today, when I first spoke to him, we were at Alchester over three years ago, he certainly yeah, wasn't yeah. living where he is now. <laughs> I was like, I'm no, 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 First spoke to Dave here back in November 2017 at Shop the Pair of Us. So, Dave, of course, introduce yourself to everybody. Tell them, tell them where you're originally from and where you're right. from now, and we'll take it from there. Right, right. It's a long story, really. Um, so, I was originally from Liverpool and then uh, moved out to sort of somewhere not that far from uh, St. Helens when I was younger. Um, quite a working class. Um, upbringing really uh school was a shambles uh was left on the uh, on thatcher's dump heap and everything and then started doing education then and uh first started to write in the um in in the mid 80s and um started doing education and then went through eventually to become a social worker but i started to perform in the in the nineteen in the nineteen eighties, and when I read the poems out later on, they're going to be the ones of the which people have marked out over the years, really. 
So uh, I then, I was in the um, work situations. I don't know what it's like now to be in, in employment in England, but for me, it was very much, I was in the rat race and the rats were eating me. And uh, I decided to get out of that really. And uh, I moved with my uh, Turkish wife to Turkey off the um, coast of the um, GNC. And uh, I had the pretentious idea I was going to come over here and be a writer. And I actually did. I actually did sort of continue writing and spend time doing that. And as well as doing poems, doing other things as well, which we'll come to later on. Cool. Now, obviously, like I said, it's your people to clarify people. You're living over in Turkey, aren't you? So, so obviously, yeah. people don't. Where are you living in Turkey nowadays? Then? I'm living not far from Ishmir. It's actually across uh, uh, opposite me is um, Lesbos, the Greek island, and where I was, where I am now, used to be populated by by the Greeks. So you've got old Greek houses. And it's very oldy worldy worldy, and you still got like fishing boats coming in, and you get a lot of tourists, mainly from the big cities of Istanbul and everything. And um, I live in a small little uh, house overlooking a forest, and we have sheep coming past and uh, stuff like that. It's um, wow, yeah, it's a bit like that. Wow. It, um, wow. So it's. Uh, it's okay. It, it gets a bit sometimes cold in the winters. You don't get much. Um, there's not many gas supplies running through and what have you. But we're doing okay this year. It's not been that cold. It's about 18 degrees, so that's okay at the moment. All right. Considering we're we're at the moment, we've been getting to minus three or four every night around Manchester. I know. So that's uh, 18 oh. is nice. <laughs> but bro, what I I'm, miss, I I've been to I've been to Cyprus and I've been to Greece as well. I want to talk to both mm. from the Greek sides, but I know how warm it gets in the summer, so I can guess where you are. It probably hits 40 and 50 probably in the summertime, doesn't it? Then? Not as bad as that. It gets into the sort of... Uh, yeah, actually, you're right. It does get to about 35 or 40 sometimes. And um, you actually can't breathe or move around, but I can't complain, as you said, you know. Um, especially, you know, especially this time of year. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, when you can, I, th I think um, I, I was still able to swim in November in the sea. So I, this is probably annoying your viewers. This, so I think we'll talk about snowy, <laughs> snowy, snowy Manchester. Rain in Manchester would be the air. <laughs> well, I'll pull out see, Dave. Time we finish today when lockdown eventually lifts. Let's see the people from Manchester end up flipping over to Turkey next <laughs> to go on the holiday. <laughs> well, well, you, you have. Uh, quite you have populations of English people in certain parts of Turkey. Uh, not far from Marmaris, there's a big community of about 100,000, 150,000. So you do get um, English people uh, scattered mainly around the south of the country. Um, so, no, oh, cool, cool, cool. Now, obviously, like, obviously, as I know you, obviously, now you're a writer, like you said, so. You were telling me off mic before, we are going to talk about how you, you've been doing bits of work, haven't you, within in Turkey. I want to learn about um, how your creative approach has changed then, since you've been to Turkey. It's, it, it's, a, it, it's been one of two things. is um, When you come away from somewhere, or the work can be 
overwhelming England. You know, I used to get emails and New Year's Eve, do this report or something. You're able to write. And then I came away here and I started to write more about, I don't know, your whole life comes in front of you again. So I was writing more uh, how nature was affecting how I was. So I carried on doing the poems and then um, contacted a few universities and I was set up to do two readings in Istanbul in March wow. yeah. of last year. Yeah. Week beforehand, of course, uh, COVID restrictions came in, but I might, they did a few translations and um, it went into a magazine. And I was pretty, pretty pleased with that. A Turkish, translated into Turkish. Uh, one of them was um, the Daily Count of Lives, which I thought, as I'll come to later on, which I thought was good that it translates to different languages. But then when I was here, what I started to do was to write little short stories um, about my observations of Turkey. Little funny ones, um, like uh, there was a guy who, well, I was on the train each day and he would wave at people and talk to people at the station. And he was uh, pretending to wave people off because he was so lonely. This mm. station in the middle of mm. middle of Turkey was a gathering place for all the lonely men about midnight. And they would meet and talk to people and pretend that they were meeting people off trains. So oh. I did stuff about that and oh. about, yeah, yeah. So I did funny stuff about just daily observations, not with any idea they were going to be published or any chance of them being published, just for the fun of it. And then it starts to build up and build up. So the man who waves the trains, we sent to a magazine, a really quite a big literature magazine, you know, the one, the sort that you can buy on a corner shop. Yeah, yeah, of and course, yeah. They, they printed that and they said, come back to us with a book length version and we might print it as a book. And we're talking here about penguin style. So I sent it off eventually, New Year's Eve, you know, just to like finish the year off of actually done something. Wow. And so I did things like I did fables, I did um, funny stories of my own personal experiences. Um, you know, uh, th th there's one about um, we were in a taxi and the uh, Turkish people love football. And uh, my wife supports Galatasaray and uh, I support Liverpool. And he was really pleased that I like Galatasaray and that I, was, I like Liverpool. And then he said, I'll get you home. However, there's a big hill to my wife's place full of ice. And he was so determined to get us up there. He said, no, I will get you there. The car was sliding down over oh. to, fall into a, oh, to fall into a motorway. But to him, he had to get us there. So daily little incidents um, like that. And, and I filled up quite a few stories. And then I did like, I suppose... Uh, like modern fairy tales about Turkey. I don't know where they came from. And um, I suppose I started to take myself more seriously as, as a writer. So short stories came into my head as, uh, alongside the, um, the poetry things. Wow. I think it goes that way sometimes. I'm always a firm believer, Dave, when you're writing. You, you find sometimes everything change, moves at its own natural progression a lot of the time. But that's yeah, what clearly yeah. happened to you there. The change in scenery has basically probably helped you, made you look at things in a different way, probably, hasn't it, really? So, 
Well, that's brilliant. It brilliant. does because it's been, I mean, I was looking before, I think a few months before the pandemic, I wrote absolutely nothing, nothing at all. And then a couple came along of poems, which I think, I, again, I got angry with the situation. So I wrote the poems and one of them, I'll, I'll read again later on. So I sort of kick-started everything else again, really. Yeah, 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 of course. Okay, completely with that. Now, we're here today to really talk about your new collection, aren't we? That came out the back end of last year. Yeah. So this is it. That's right. So this, yeah. God, so get it right. So this is it. And I listen. So yeah, this, this is it. It is the tongue around. Yeah. 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 Cool. Now, I know. You've got a good story about this. So tell us about how you got how you how you got in touch with the publishers in this one. Well, well, it was a strange one, really, because this publishing house based based in India, uh, and I for some reason. Many of my poems on YouTube, I have more followers from India than I actually do from England sometimes. So, and then he thought, we've seen your work and we'd like to publish it. So I thought, well, it's a scam this, you know what I mean? There's no one's, no one's going to approach you like this. So I got it together and he thought, well, this seems all right. And then I was working with them and I sent a few, like, my whole life from the first time we do the pens, he put it forward. And they're quite a big um, publishing house, uh, Taj Mahal Press, and um, the person in charge is quite well known in, in India. And um, they published it across the world. So I thought, well, so, so that, that's how it started, really. Brilliant, yeah. Now, obviously, um, tell people a bit about this book itself, then. So obviously, like you said, you tell me, you did, if my memory's correct, you told me this was like almost like a greatest hits poem, your poems, your collection of yours, wasn't it? So... Or my compliance, imagining things. <laughs> I think I, I think the structure of the of the book came from basically to look over the um, the whole of your written your written life, and I just chose those poems from all the other poems, all the different poetry books I've done, and just put them in a rough sequence of way back in 1980, late 80s, right up to the present day. So a sort of um, a journey and basically saying, look, well, this is it, you know, this is, um, this is what I've, um, this is what I've done, really. Yeah, yeah. What made it, where did the, the idea of the title come from then? So this is it then? It, well, well, basically, um, I've always, self-deprecation has always been, um, something behind many English people. So um, I'm, I'm playing tongue in cheek with it. I'm playing like, oh, so this is it. Is this all it is? You know what I mean? Uh, or, or, so this is it. It's great, you know? But the other poems, the first collection I did was What a Catch. And then it was, um, the last one before that was Express Nothing. And then it was Somebody. A lot of it is, um, because of my upbringing, I suppose, I, um, it's very difficult to accept myself as a writer. I keep thinking someone's going to tap me on the shoulder and go, Mr. Mellet, you're going back into the fucking factory again. You know what I mean? You know, it's, it's like, you know, it's, um, you know, uh, it, it's that sort of, um, you know, not taking, 
not taking myself too seriously, but sometimes in a bad way, not believing in myself, which is quite damaging sometimes. I think sometimes when you've I think when you've had an upbringing that you've had there, so I can relate to that one yeah. myself because the school I was at, I had a lot of trouble myself in the last two years, and I was schooling, and it took me mm. probably years to get over the over the peer pressure of that. Basically, and yours is a similar situation. Mm. So like it's I mean you, yeah. you have to you doubt yourself a lot sometimes you do and even though you even though your talent's there you keep expecting it said someone saying nah it's all you you're gonna step out of the shower yeah. like a like a Dallas scene or something aren't you so it's all wake up yeah really. yeah and also you take criticism um yeah you, you don't you haven't got the backbone that some other people have I see other people uh, who develop a more stronger belief because that's ingrained in their education of how important they are. You know what I mean? While working class people are ingrained in, you're not really that important. You're lucky if you get a job um, and keep bowing to your master, keep bowing to the queen, keep bowing to uh, evil people like Boris Johnson, really. You know, they, they are the clever ones. And all you can do is possibly shout at football matches, or you can't even do that now. But you know what I mean? Yeah, not that, not at the minute, yeah, that's for sure. So, yeah. No, not that, no, I know, I know. Yeah, completely, yeah, no, completely, no, I agree completely with it. So, and that's why yourself, like, when you, you get that sort of thing, you think it's hard to but is this, this is too good for true. So I can understand it, it's every publishers. And even like I said, you've had a good experience with them. Sometimes you doubt yourself, you've got that to book yeah. in your hand or something like that. So it goes, yeah. um, my third book, actually got an offer, I had an offer come through from the American publishers for it, before I went and put self publisher and I turned it down because I went for all the bits and pieces with it. And then they present the last, they did a change of contract on me and they want me to pay you, what was it, $1,500 for editing and yeah. processing. And I thought, and I know someone else had been with them and I asked them about it. And they said to me, it's nothing, nothing, I haven't. They, they said to me, no, they haven't done, done that and them. So I thought, oh, we've got greedy. Hi. You do like it. You know, you want you worry sometimes, yeah, yeah. don't you? So. Well, 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 I did. So I sent them off thinking, uh, okay, they said something like, you know, can you buy 10 copies? I said, well, just send us, when it's printed, send me a set sample copy. And I also did a short story which got published, but they, and that was, uh, you know, um, um, about uh, relationships in a time of, of, um, of COVID, really, you know, loving the time of everything being a bit shit. And I'll send you the link to that sort of book. And that was quite, that triggered me off thinking stories could be published. But it is it is a very difficult market out there, really. You know, you don't know who to trust. You've got, you've got to navigate things very, very carefully. I know that all the stories, definitely. So, um, have you said before, have you done many readings actually in Turkey since you moved over there? Then? Have I done so? Yeah, have you done many readings since you went to Turkey? Uh, I, that was going to happen. In March, yeah, yeah. There's no, none of the universities are open here. No live venues are open, um, so everything's on hold. A bit. Right, um, yeah, like, I wasn't sure. What sort of situation was like where you are? That's why. I no, said. it's. I mean, we have um, uh, all cafes and pubs are closed, um, and all universities and all schools have been closed for God knows how long. So. There's no real, you know, my big hope is that the book gets accepted. You know, you've sent it off to them now and uh, 
you know, my English take of being in Turkey, see what that happens and that could lead to other things with the poems and everything. But it's the same as England, everything's on hold. No one really knows what's going to happen next till maybe the summer, I would have thought. Yeah, no, I agree. We'll have to keep our fingers crossed to the summertime, definitely with it. So I think that's the time. Yeah. See, don't we? So do you have any sort of plans for your writing going forward? Or would you like to do another book, do you reckon? I'd like to say, I mean, with the poetry, I think I, I'll just can continue to, uh, to write. And I publish a lot online, you know, on, on Facebook in particular, the poetry of David Armella or the seamless one where I do more, I don't know, uh, more thoughtful ones. I keep sending them off. But definitely the observations of if this book gets accepted, and they were very encouraging by the stories. Um, and, you know, it was a, that could be a way in which um, I get known within Turkey. Yeah, you know, completely. Bizarre, bizarrely enough, I could be... I, I, fingers crossed, I could be, you know, massively uh, published in Turkey and not known in England, which would be <laughs> almost like Oscar Wilde going off to Paris or something, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah, we <laughs> love it, definitely with that one, yeah, so. Yeah. Trust me, so yeah. keep us informed, definitely with that. Now, if people want to find out more about you, Dave, where are the best going? I know you've got your page on Facebook, haven't you, so? Yeah. And the books. I mean, Everybody I was... They put a book, I know it's on Amazon, I've seen it. Well, if you if you actually actually look on Amazon, you'll see all the books are there. So if you if you type in David Armella, you will see them you will see them all there. Or if people want to, uh, you know, try to contact me directly on on my Facebook site or what have you, I can let them know more. I also use YouTube a lot um, for uh, different readings, uh, make up the old, my own videos or. Um, or stuff like that. So that's the main areas. But the project David Armella on Facebook uh, is is a place in which I tend to share most things. Cool, cool. And now, well, that's covered all the questions today. With you know, Dave. So we're we're going to take a quick break and let you get yourself yeah. armed and prepared. Read out a few poems. I right? am. I'm, I'm pre prepared. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's wondering there. You won't know. So Dave just showed me all the piece of paper he's got in the air. So oh, piece of paper showing in the air. <laughs> I could count for myself. Right. Well, they're all in order. They're all in order. <laughs> right. Back in a minute, guys. Okay. See you all in a minute. Thanks. Okay. Spotlight. Hi, guys. Okay. Straight over to Dave. He's got a variety of poems for us. Go for it, mate. Okay. So these are poems which I've chosen mainly of those over the years in which people are particularly liked. I might not have thought of them as being the greatest of greats, but other people have come up. The first one was from 1988, would you believe it? Oh, nearly 30 years ago. Wow. I got beat up, I got beat up outside um, a club in uh, Middlesbrough. Okay, and uh, I then read for the first time and people came over to me and I thought, ooh, that's interesting. So this is the speakeasy crew. You're a bastard, you. You beat me up until I was black and blue. I remember you. It was the butterfish bar late at night. I just said goodbye to my girlfriend and was filled with the glow of love and alcohol. And then I saw them, the speakeasy crew. Their worries had been drowned by the new religious water called Red Stripe. They came over to me. 
Have you got the right time, mate? About 12, as she said. You're not from here, are you? Maybe they thought I was from Mars or something. I don't know. You're not like us. I looked at myself, two arms, two legs. I thought I looked the same. They didn't. Bang, they hit me. My head crashed against the door. I didn't turn around. I ran and ran. My heart jumping into my throat. For weeks, I used to cross over the road every time I saw a gang of lads. I tried to tell myself it wouldn't happen again, but I bloody well know it will. <laughs> so that was um, that was way back in a bit before you were born. I mean, you, know, uh, you well, were twinkling your mum's eye, aren't you? Don't you? I'm 48, man. <laughs> I was 16 when that one came out. <laughs> my poem was on all, all right. So, my, my poem so, that so, time, my bloody blood killing my ex girlfriend, so they <laughs> went much better. <laughs> so, uh, well, great. So, uh, uh, again, the next one that used to people used to like. And uh, it was, dating was a big thing on the internet then. And I spent many a year, many a month of stupidity. And this is absolutely true. Dating in a state. I'm hanging around on a dating in a state. The keyboards are covered in tobacco and crisps and they're sticky with beer. And I'm telling someone, I like to climb mountains. I'm calm, I'm sensitive, and I'm in control, and I'm solvent. But I'm typing words I can't see, and I'm starting to spill the truth. I'm divorced, and I've got kids. I like betting, drinking, smoking, and doing most things to stop me from feeling. Hmm. My kids are miles away, and I'm up in the air. Are you still there? Thank you. <laughs> Brilliant. Great stuff. Well, that was, um, so then um, I was living in Liscard then, and again, I'm picking all the poems that relate to what people thought were resonated with them. And this was my little street in Liscard um, falling into decay under the Tories. Street scene. That's a tanning studio. That's a chippy. That's a tanning studio, that's a hairdresser's, empty shop, empty shop, empty shop. That's a smoke-free Weatherspoons, that's a closed pub, that's a closed pub, that's a closed pub, that's a couple strapped for cash, that's a family next door whose gyro couldn't last, that's a fake tan, that's a discarded chip paper, and that's another fake tan. That's just a street that's come to its end. Brilliant. No, I agree with that one, mate. I agree with you completely. So, and then the poem I did um, this year in particular was with the pandemic, um, and, and this was printed quite often, actually, um, was The Daily Count of Lives. Um, and again, that seemed to resonate, and that's why I'm putting this one, this one in here. And it was, it's well, it's come back again, isn't it? It's the daily numbers figures. 746. Six fell in love more than four times. 673. 20. I had no regrets. 714 today. Five could still feel their first kiss. 643. 
27 looked at photos of their loved one each and every morning. 547, seven of them had a contagious laughter. 517, 100 regretted that their beauty had faded. 468, 35 had worked in the same job all of their lives. 573, eight had won awards for their services to others. 375, 75 had been broken hearted. 817 had touched a million souls. 917, all had been loved by someone because behind every number. Thank you. Great, great stuff that one. So uh, I've just got a, I've just got a couple more. Um, yeah, go for it, mate. Yeah. I, know, I know what I like for you, Dave, is all your pieces, I will note you. I know all your pieces are quite concise and to the point, so I'm quite happy you're doing a few. Yeah. More. Yeah, so I'll just do, um, I'll just do three very, very small ones. One of them was, um, I was quite amazed, um, well, I was quite honoured. Um, your partner, Amanda, in, a, in, in her magazine, picked up one of the poems, uh, the last one I'm going to read, and I was thought, Wow, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, so I think I'll go through, yeah. So I'll do three short ones and that's it, really. So the one is Swan Song. Now this used to go down, I used to always read this last of all at every concert I did. A bit like U2 when they used to sing 40 all the time, you know what I mean? Not comparing myself to U2's popularity, <laughs> but... You know, it was always that last little swan song, and it's called Swan Song. And, um, yeah. No life is right. No life is wrong. No life is left with just a swan song. Somewhere along the lifeline, you woke someone up. You made someone happy and not fed up. And although you've let people eat you up inside, you were just too young to realise that your life is not right. Your life is not wrong. Your life was singing as it will at the swan song. So that was that one. Now this one, the next one I'm going to do um, is Alone. And again, it's one of them, one of them poems which I, I discarded. And then um, I, got, I was interviewed on Preston Radio and I sent this poem off and the woman was quite emotional about it. And I thought, oh, maybe this poem's got something. Yeah, I mean, you must have that as well, where you, 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 people tell you that something is good or it resonates with them. You don't really think about it. So this is, this is alone. And it's a true story. And I think a lot of people are going to be alone. They're alone at Christmas and um, they're alone because of the virus. And this was when I was, uh, separated a while ago, but I had kids and everything. Still, still have them, but alone. I used to buy toilet paper for four. I was, this is called alone, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> I used to buy toilet paper for four. Now just for one. So I get the two pack, the half loaf, and the small pack of Marge. I open the door of my one bedroom flat, make a cup of tea for one. Listen to songs by people missing someone. I make my single bed turn round to see 
no one. I wake up, kiss no one goodbye, shed tears that no one will see. I come back at night and I climb the stone stairs, open the door, turn on the light, and I imagine you are all there. Thank you. Great, great. And yeah, and the last one is when, cool, I was, in, I was living in Germany at the time and I, I was in a block of flats and um, with the kids and I walked downstairs and there was a leaf on the floor. And this is the point. And it's a dead one. I'm turning over a new leaf. And it's a dead one. Left over from autumn, something unpleasant on this spring morning. I'm turning over a new leaf. And it's a dead one. Thank you for thank you for that, Andy. Really. Brilliant stuff, Dave. Always a pleasure to have you on, mate. So as always. I've loved it, mate. Thank you, mate. Hang around as always, Dave. I need a quick word of your mic. Thank you again, okay. mate. Fantastic today, mate. Hey, okay, guys. I enjoyed it. John Callis says, stay on, stay over, and stay safe. Spock, mate.